What's up, Black Love fam and First Time fam? Welcome to another edition of Man to Man, a part of the Black Love Podcast Network. I'm David Wazicki, General Manager of Black Love. And if you are a fan of the OG Man to Man IG Live series, then you're going to love this conversation today because this man not only was a fan favorite, but he was a favorite of mine also. We dug into a whole lot. And I feel like now I get the chance to really dig into some of those things. And for those who don't know him, who missed out on that OG episode, let me just drop some quick stats again. Spencer is, well, kind of let you know who's who's coming right now, but (laughs) former NFL player who happened to play for my G-men, New York shout out. He's also a filmmaker. He's a storyteller. He's a husband. He's a father. And a lot's happened. It's been about a year or so since we last chatted. So I'm really, really, really excited to jump into this one with the one, the only, the Spencer Pacinger. What's up, yes. sir? Everything's good. I mean, all things considered, like you said, we're, we're in a pandemic sure. right now or coming out of it. But um, the, the wife's happy. The kids are healthy. Work is good. That's all I can ask for. No complaints. We're done. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah I'll see you later. Great talk. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Yeah. Good talk. Good talk. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we will jump into all the things that led to all this happiness, which I'm, which I am genuinely happy to, happy to hear. Um, I know there were a couple challenges we will dig into, but I got to rewind a little bit because we switched things up since you and I last talked and. Mm-hmm. You got your IG blue check, but we got our system here too. We got the man-to-man blue check certified system. So I got Mm -hmm. one question to ask you that I ask everybody to get the seal of approval. And no two men have ever answered this the same way. So no pressure here. Mm -hmm. You ready? Ready. What does masculinity mean to you? Ah, um... I think so masculinity means to me, um, I think just taking care of your household. Uh, and I know I, as a father and a husband, I can say that. And, and a lot of people think like a household means family, kids and, and, you know, everything underneath the roof. But to me, it's just taking care of yourself, being comfortable enough to voice your problems, voice your insecurities, and mm-hmm. then. Well, I mean, I would say be be man enough to voice your problems and your insecurities because, you know, you, you think back 50 or so years ago, like masculinity to me was just something completely different. To my grandfather, it was something completely different. To my father, it's something that's completely different. And I've, I've just always subscribed to the idea that I do have like the divine feminine in me as well as the masculine side. And, I've you know, I'm a cancer. I feel things. I'm very empathetic. My son's a cancer. And I, I can see him wearing his emotions on on his sleeve. So even with raising him, I'm I'm trying to let him understand that the scope of masculinity isn't, you know, hide your pain, you know, keep your chin up, don't cry, like anything like that. It's just like it's all free flowing. It's it's absolutely all free flowing. So I, I think it's masculinity is change, it's progress, but at the end of the day, it's just taking care of yourself so you are better for the next day or for the people that I care about you and and for the people that you care about. I love that. I love that. And yet again, (laughs) 
that, that's that's a u- unique answer. So we're going to keep that streak alive. So thank you for that. So you touched on a few things. One being self care. I've come to know this recently over this you know pandemic, and we talked about this offline a little bit, and and just trying to put things in perspective. Like you mentioned, you know. With this pandemic and and supposedly having efficiency comes the this crazy pressure of like doing things you know three times as hard and spending three times as much energy on something which is wild to both of us and and there being just no structure no infrastructure no no wellness conversations around that like it, it's so interesting mm-hmm. to me that that's yet to surface from a wellness health same thing I mean I. I can go on and on about the health aspect, but I won't right now, um, unless you trigger me to go there. <laughs> we'll go there. But these are some interesting and important things that we should, as people, black folk, melanated folk in particular, really need to focus on. I, you know, that the impetus of this show pre-pandemic was just that. It was looking for ways to just focus on us as as men and and how we're navigating mm-hmm. you know life and things like that but now <laughs> now you put all of these extra expectations on all of that and for you funny enough the last time we spoke the day after was your first therapy session so yes. i want to ask one how to go and then two are you still in therapy Yes, I'm. I'm currently uh, on, I guess, hiatus from it. Um, it just got to the point where, for the for the past month, my work schedule was too hectic to where, you know, we just kept saying, "Oh, let's push it this day." Do you have thirty minutes here? Do you have? And I just said, "Listen, I'll be done at the top of April. Um, like, can we just hold off, and then we'll pour back into it then?" So, technically on a hiatus, but I have every intention of going back. And also, I'm I'm planning my next session for next week when I I just know I have a clearer schedule. Um, but how it went, how it went was amazing. I I came in early with the idea or the notion that, and I knew it, but even though I was in there, I was like, all right, like, you know, let's fine tune some things, fix me up. And like, like, like a pit stop at a NASCAR race, like (laughs) something's hurting, fix it up and let me, and let me get going. But, um, those first few sessions, it was just really like getting to know my psyche, getting to know like who I Mm. was, getting to know my history and, you know, she allowed me to, she always gave me homework, uh, always gives me homework of something to either focus on throughout the week, even if it's just a thought, even, uh, you know, I deal with a lot of like, like self-talk and, and stuff like that. So she, she never gave me, you know, things to completely kill the self-talk because she knows like these, these things are part of you. All you have to do is try to figure out how to live with them. So, you know, one exercise was whenever you start seeing that creep in, just acknowledge it acknowledge that it's like negative self-talk. Another thing she did because of my history with football and really unpacking that, I think that the, the biggest thing that, we, that we've unpacked over the past, let's say, what, eight or so months, um, is my relationship to football and how it is sort of deemed as an abusive relationship, whether we like, to, whether we like it or not, because in its genesis, like you're there to produce. And if you're not, if you can't produce, you're kicked to the curb. So a lot of that comes with anxiety and pressure to perform and you know those days that you that you aren't your best you're always looking over your shoulder and then you have coaches that are you know talking to you every kind of way and and thinking that 
if I can talk to you this way and motivate you, whether we're motivating you out of fear or out of love, some way, somehow you're going to produce on the field. So unfortunately, I had a lot of coaches that came from that old guard of coaching of like, what what are you doing with your feelings? Like, you're only here to play a sport, like, and really unpacked a lot of kind of what I went through that I didn't even know was there. I think back to like my high school years when it was legitimate fun to play football. And And it has been fun to play football, but throughout therapy, like she allowed me to realize like I became a different person mentally when I entered college football, when I entered that system of, you know, producing or else. In high school, it was you know, it's just me and my school and my team and my boys against the next team down the street. And if we win, great. If not, like we're all still going out and hanging out after that. Like there weren't stakes involved right. essentially. But when I got to college, like she made me realize that like, no, you walked into a system to where you had to produce. And again, a lot of that comes with anxiety and fear. So she had me write a, a letter to my college coach, my my linebacker coach, because, you know, I would say it was an abusive relationship, but if you ask me, do I love him? I said like, yeah, like that was my coach. Like he, he helped me get to where I am today. But a lot of the memories I have of him are him, you know, somewhat belittling me, somewhat telling me like, I'm not good enough or, or just trying to, again, trying to make me hate what he said enough for me to prove him wrong on the field. Right. So right. it was coaching out of fear instead of love, but you know, the, excuse my language, but like the fuckery of it all is I can say all that, but at the end of the day, I can stand across from him and smile at him because we have this bond that will always be tied together. You know, that he helped technically raise me during that era where like, you're kind of becoming a man. So therapy, it's just, it's just allowed me to really sit in the love hate relationship I have with football, um, with sports yeah, and just allow me to like, just understand myself just a lot more. Like, one of the most profound things she told me was just in hearing me talk is she said, I developed a fear of celebrating myself because Mm -hmm. coming from that team dynamic, you know, football, you're putting on a helmet, you're wearing a team name and you're not, you don't win, your team wins. So whenever the spotlight is on me, I naturally like move it out the way or try to put it on somebody else because I become uncomfortable being in the spotlight. And now that I'm in the position I'm in, in, with all American and some other opportunities that, that are that I presented themselves, it's still very uncomfortable for me to like say, "Oh, hey, I did this, or I produced this, or I directed this, or I wrote this," because I naturally want to throw the assist to a teammate or you know another producer or whatever, just to like the spotlight's uncomfortable. So she's allowed me to just understand that like, no, you've earned some of the things that that you've done, so like reap the benefits of them, but also just know like. You can be comfortable in the spotlight. It doesn't have to define you. Just getting back to the, I guess, to the joy of of it all. So again, I can't wait to go back. I mean, this all sounds phenomenal. And I recall our last conversation, and I'm I'm glad a lot of this unpacked. I mean, I, I had certain assumptions, but I'm not a licensed therapist to say, oh, well, you know, <laughs> it points yeah. to this, this, and this. But you were you were uh, basically alluding to the fact that you were not the prototypical football player because mm-hmm. you know you were more in tune with your emotions and you just you just had different ways of accepting or not accepting and receiving or not receiving certain direction and and that dynamic that team dynamic that you're now mm-hmm. uh speaking to and and how that affected you and it even came up in a uh 
an Instagram post from the Super Bowl when you had the ten year. Uh, oh yes, the ten year anniversary, and it was it was beautiful. Uh, th- this post, you know, where you're not friends with everybody, you have like a select few that you still keep in touch with. You know, for me, that was very revealing. And I said, well, either he found this out on his own, or yes, he 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 went down that uh, that therapy path and got himself to this point because I, I read it again. I I I think it was beautiful. It was well articulated, and it really dug into the nuances. It sounded like this parent dynamic with your coach. It sounded like this peer pressure dynamic. I mean, that's oversimplifying it you know, with, with friends who are your teammates are supposed to be your friends and they're supposed to be a ride or dies forever. Like even when I leave the team, you know, football's forever, baby, you know, all that sort of stuff, but it's a lot more complex and it's a lot more dynamic. I mean, I'm, uh, I I feel like I'm, I'm rambling on this a little bit, but it's, it's become interesting to me in the past few years. And I love to see it happen. And I want for it to continue to happen where a lot of athletes, football players in particular, have been either coming out like yourself, speaking to their emotions mm-hmm. or speaking to therapy. All of this to say kudos and kudos to the fact that you took that first step towards therapy because there's just so much, it sounds like in the span of less than a year, you've been able to unpack. And then again, that for me, that's just a sticking point in my head that, that Instagram post where, where you articulated things in the, in that manner. Did, did anyone take that and, and feel slighted, uh, from that post or that conversation? Um, no, in all, in all honesty, it actually opened up a lot of conversations with, you know, past teammates, whether college or the NFL. And for those of you guys listening that, that haven't seen it, uh, it's, I had my 10 year anniversary, 10 year, uh, Super Bowl anniversary for winning Super Bowl 46. And during that time, I guess weeks leading up to it, um, I just had a lot of anxiety about going back into those halls and, and kind of being, that guy again, because I'm, I'm somebody that when I'm done with something, I'm done with it. I don't really like to talk about it. I like to move on because I don't like to live in the past. And I have had teammates that like, I, I, in all honesty, I can't follow on social media anymore because their entire identity is rooted in football and the football. old days mm-hmm. and playing like, you know, it's a, it's a great day to be a giant. I'm like, man, it's, it's Tuesday. Like go, you've been retired <laughs> for 10 years. Like go, yeah. <laughs> go do something else, you know? So yeah. <laughs> when I when leading up to it, Leading up to that that weekend, I was going back and forth with if I wanted to go because I knew with the success of All American, and I've been hit up by other guys that you know that's all they would want to talk about, or or they, sure. they might put me on some pedestal that to me like I haven't earned. So you know, even when I got there, a lot of the guys that you know I looked up as like captain, like captain's captain, that will be in the Hall of Fame, that will be in like the Ring of Honor within the Giants community they're looking at me with this sort of allure. They're like, man, you did something really dope outside of football. And I just didn't want those conversations. I wanted to be like, treat me like the rookie Mm -hmm. from 10 years ago. Like that's the hierarchy I live in within this ecosystem. Like you guys can give me shit. I'll throw back some to you guys. I'm the rookie with my other rookie friends. And like, that's our dynamic. So to, to, to be approached by some guys who I still talk to and, and, and love and, well, I always pick up their phone call and, and they're looking at me with like gloomy eyes. I'm like, 
it was just uncomfortable because I'm like, no, like I am the like treat me like I was ten years ago. Like let's not yeah, let's not get into this like competitive, like who's doing what type of conversation because I just didn't mm-hmm. want to I just that's not how I knew those guys. And but when I got there, it was a really cool feeling because for a lot of people, like I fell back into those old, those old inside jokes, those old memories, those old like, you know, being young, black and in New York with a Super Bowl ring, you're like, oh, the world's yeah. our oyster, you know? So yeah. we definitely had some really fun moments and some things I hadn't thought about in years kind of crept back up into the mental. But uh, overall, leading up to it, uh, there was just a lot of anxiety about about returning to those to those roots because I've, I've done so much work trying to define myself away from football sure. um, and not be considered just the football guy that's in the industry that it felt like that was going to almost make me take a step backwards uh, in my progression away from the sport. So after that day, how did you feel? Because you did go back, like you did have to bring up old memories. And I know you said you don't live in the past, so you lived in the past for a day. (laughs) Where where did that take you? (laughs) There was just an immense moment of gratitude uh, tied to it. I remember being on the flight back with with my wife and just kind of sitting there thinking like, Oh, this wasn't like this weekend wasn't for, you know, 33 year old me. This, this weekend was for 22 year old me. This Mm -hmm. weekend was to like honor him and all the work that he did because I'm not sitting here on this plane having these memories and, and, and going back to New York and, and rubbing elbows with my old teammates. If 22 year old me doesn't go through the fire to get me there. So I, I just really had this moment where I like kind of closed my eyes and just, just said thank you to that early, that again twenty two year old me that dealt with a lot of anxiety, dealt with a lot of imposter syndrome, like dealt mm-hmm. with just literally because that year was the lockout, not knowing if you were even going to get picked up by a team to you know forty eight hours later in practice running around yeah. with guys that you grew up watching. So like yeah. I just it just made me realize that like young Spencer went through so much to get to this moment that like I had to honor him. And it was, it was, it was just an immense moment of gratitude. Dope. Dope. I'm, I'm glad you were able to see it that way. And it's, you know, again, another point I've been, um, digging into in, in, in my own downtime is this younger self, like these younger versions of yourself and the, <laughs> the, you know, Spencer, the child, David, the child. And yeah. it's pretty profound when, you, when, you know, when you can find these pivotal points and for you, it's, it's, it sounds like football. There may be other things I, you know, I don't know about, maybe you don't know about yourself as a child, like young, you know, toddler Spencer or (laughs) in in your teens or something that may have happened or maybe it didn't, but, you know, starting to dig down into those paths of the past, because like yourself, it, it is something where some years ago, I told myself, I just don't want to go there. I don't need to mm-hmm. open these wounds. I don't need to experience those experiences again. But there is something when you can, when you can face them the way you did in this moment. And I know this moment was big for you uh, with the celebration or celebration of your your younger self, a younger version of yourself uh, to be able to tap in that way and acknowledge uh, so one thing I, I do want to ask you before I um, pivot a little bit is earlier you mentioned having this trouble, and I have the same 
as well of celebrating yourself or celebrating those wins. So when you were able to look back at 22-year-old Spencer and say this was for him, did you feel celebratory or acknowledging in a you did that young Spencer way? Were you able to get there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and again, I, I had that moment where I, I, I closed my eyes. And again, I'm, I'm on the plane and obviously about 100 or so people around me. But like, I just I kind of went into this into this mind state where uh, I felt like I was seeing him across from me. And mm-hmm. it was just that moment of like, just thanking him, just being appreciative of him and, and just knowing like everything that he went through to get me to this point to be able to look at him with a smile. So like I, that version of me, like I, I don't hate him at all. I, I, I love him to death. Like I have no spite towards him and I don't think I should have done one thing or another thing any differently, but it was, it was an absolute appreciative moment uh, for him. So he's still awesome. in here somewhere. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, talk to him, I'll, talk, I'll talk to him a couple more times, hopefully. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, so one other thing. I think is big. Um, you, you can tell me otherwise that happened since we spoke last was you ha- I mean, when I hear spinal surgery, I'm like, this is a major surgery. <laughs> this is something, oh my gosh, yeah. type of thing um, to keep it PG. <laughs> um, and you said, you know, you, you couldn't wait to, to know your body like beyond yeah. that pain, beyond that mental and physical pain. Yeah. And so now you're out of it, you're post-surgery and it's been about a year. Mm -hmm. How are you doing? Is a simple first question to ask around that. Yeah. So, so I had a, um, I had an artificial disc replacement surgery between my C5 and C6 and the the scar is still there a little faint, you know, using Mm. tone and everything to get it out of here. (laughs) Um, but, um, it's been a great eight months. I've done like my own physical therapy. You know, they suggested me go somewhere, but I'm like, i I probably know as much as those guys consider right. my my history. So sure, um, but it's it's allowed me to kind of get some feeling back in my right arm. Um, again, there are various spots along my right arm because of this damaged nerve that are starting to come back again. It's not one hundred percent healed, but they did say it's probably going to take you about a year or so to to really feel um, the complete effects. So, but all in all, like there was a stress that I had learned to live with on my right side where. My shoulder and my trap was already was always rotated forward because it felt like it was protecting that damaged nerve. I felt mm. like that's relaxed a little bit, um, and I can even see it like when I'm looking at myself in the mirror. Like my shoulders are now somewhat level. Um, they're still like not obviously perfect, but just the the feeling of kind of taking off that like two or three pound weight that I always felt like was there is gone. Again, not out of the woods yet on it. Still healing. I'm still doing my physical therapy, but. Uh, I think there's there's a level of stress that has just fallen off my shoulders quite literally that I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm proud to be beyond. Do you see any changes mentally um, with that stress, literal stress um, co- mm. coming off of your shoulder? Like, ha- has that tapped in? Because I know, you know, there's the mind, bo- I was going to say obvious, and it's not obvious to everybody. <laughs> there's a mind body connection when it comes to pain, when it comes to, you know, being ill, whether it's, you know, something viral or whether it is a physical mm-hmm. pain like this, where it, it, it mm-hmm. does tap into your mental and vice versa. I haven't noticed if it's like a, a clear, 
uh, sort of re- resolution when it comes to stress or lightening of, of my stress or anxiety. But one thing it did make me realize is that I was taking on almost too much or, or trying to hmm. trying to just do too much. I remember literally the day after my surgery, because it was an outpatient surgery and you know, they're saying, oh, wow. hey, you just, wow. just relax. Yeah, just just relax in bed for the next two weeks. Like, don't lift anything over your head. Don't don't try to lift anything crazy. Like, yeah, a cup of water or whatever. That's fine. But the day after my surgery, when I'm seeing my wife, like cooking dinner and handling the kids and just taking on more responsibility because I'm bedridden. Like, yeah. there was a moment where I got out of bed and I tried to help her and I tried to like pick up my son and all that. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she's like, "You need to go sit down." Like, you need to stop this. Like, and I'm telling her, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And she's like, you just had surgery 24 hours ago. <laughs> Go sit your ass down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when yeah. I when I sat down and, and yeah, I, I just kind of, I sat down. I've been watching TV, but I just had that moment. I was just like, she was absolutely right. Like, why do I feel like I need to, like, apply my worth to, like, a task of helping her? Like, she knows yeah. I'm here. She knows I want to help her. But, like, why do I feel like I need to, like, make or do the actual application of helping her instead of her knowing like, Hey, I'm here, but I'm also bedridden. So I can't help you right now. So uh, it was, yeah, it was just that moment of realizing like, Hey, like everything's fine. She's fine. The kids are fine. The kids are taken care of. Like you need to rest right now. And I did. Good. And since then, I mean, I know sometimes those things wear off as you start feeling better, but do you check yourself every so often on trying to be Superman, whether it's super dad or super husband uh, in, in those cases? Oh, absolutely. I, I go off the deep end every single time when it comes <laughs> to that. And, like, and I, I do I do pull myself back at times, but I have caught myself, like again, doing too much or yeah. trying to take on too much. Or you know, me and my wife have, because we're growing our businesses both together and separately, um, you know, one topic that's come up over the years is I can help you with your business. I can pack boxes, I can move stuff, like drop shipping and all that stuff. Like I can be an assistant for you, but you can't sit down and write 40 pages for me. You know? Like right. so right. it's it's been that balance of sometimes I put my work aside to facilitate her stuff. And then I say, okay, well. I'll just wake up at 4 a.m. and I get my work done for three hours and then get the kids ready and then get them to school and then get back to work and everything. But I always tend to put her work in front of my work. Unless it gets to the point where like, I know I have a deadline I need to hit. But we've we've also talked about just that balance of me feeling like I have to shoulder everything and I have to put my stuff aside to help her. And she's like, I'm fine. I have people that, you know, I'm working with to do it. Like you don't need to feel like you have to be Superman for me. Like I already know you are. I don't need you to constantly remind me that you're that, you know? So that's been the balance of obviously with COVID and us growing our own business and our own separate businesses, just understanding that I don't have to take on more than I can handle. And a lot of times I do attempt to do that. And, you know, sometimes it comes crashing down. Yeah. I know the yeah. feeling. I uh, <laughs> that that's that's one of my that's one of my constant battles. It's you can go probably pick any podcast episode, and I feel like I'm always mentioning this, trying to not overdo it, learning to when to say no, when to just mm-hmm. take that chill, when to give yourself self, like when to give yourself the the, the real self care. You just 
in my, mentally unraveled all of these things that I do <laughs> on a daily basis because yeah, I'm I'm kind of in this situation now where there's you know there's more things happening and trying to connect the dots and my wife the same thing and then we have our four year old daughter going on 14. It feels like some mm-hmm. days where you're just, you're trying to manage all the things you want to be there for her. You want to be there for her. But in my case, both hers, I want to be there for my daughter. I want to be there for my wife. I want to be there for self. I want to grow a business. I want to do well with the business I'm doing with the podcasting. And it's, it's all the things, right? And, and then, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, but I feel like I need to take care of them first. And then Thankfully, you know, it, it sounds like you 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 have a, a partner like this that comes and says, hold on, I got it. I'm strong. I got this, you know, and you learn how to how to how to figure self out. And, you know, I'll let you know if I need to tag yeah. you in or if I need that tag team partner. But, you know, <laughs> but I but I will say there is a lot of guilt attached to that. And, and I talk openly, yeah. openly about this a lot yeah. where. You know, uh, who's, uh, Chris Rock has the joke about a husband's or a father's worth is is directly tied to like what he can provide. And yeah. you know, yeah. I probably when my kids were you know a couple months old and two years old, and I laughed at it. But more and more, I started thinking about that, and just again in, in building my own and building my own production company and and writing a little bit more and, and going after these other opportunities. I always feel like, oh, I need to provide. And sometimes that allows me to, you know, kind of forces me to travel for my job. So with my wife, again, building her own business and when I'm gone, the kids are, you know, have to be taken care of. I do with a lot of guilt being away from work because on one hand I am providing for my family, but on the other hand, I'm absent. I'm not there for the potential memory. I'm not there for, to help like pick the kids up from school. So you know, and my wife is just straight up like, we're fine. Like, don't feel like you need to be here and you're missing out on something and you're not, you're not providing for us. Like you're literally working right now. Like you're on set 12 hour days in another city. Like you're still yeah. working to provide for our family. Don't feel like you need to physically be here to do that. And it's just, it's, it's something that I deal with. Like I'm, she says it and I, and I agree, but there's still that weight of guilt of like, Hey, I know you have both kids right now and you have your own stuff, but I need to leave this house or else I can't finish by this deadline. So it's just, it's dealing with that. Like to me, that's the, that's something that really peaked in this past month or so, not being in therapy that I want to get back into once I, once I start back up. It's just, just how to manage the guilt of feeling like one, you're missing out on your family and two, feeling like your, your worth is tied to what you can provide. Yeah. So <laughs> my two things to that, one is the guilt thing for me, especially, I guess, because of my other hat of GM with Black Love, where it's Monday through Friday. So instinctively, it's like the weekends, that's your extra time to hang out with the family, right? But on the there's certain weekends where I can't and I have to like, you have to, you know, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, carve out the time where you can do both and you kind of can't do both. And then I'm stressing because I'm like, all right, I have this limited amount of time. I got to get this done. Got to get this done so I can go hang out with them because I want to go hang out with them. And if I don't hang out with them now, then I'm not going to be able to hang out. And then the guilt kicks in and it's like, damn it, I should have just, or I should have just, or I should have just, and you just self-talk self-talk and you go in circles and you go into guilt trip and you go into like 
pointing at yourself and self blame and all that fun stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, absolutely. That we, oh Been my there. gosh, yeah, yeah. Now uh, it's it's uh, you know it's it's like this constant. It's a, it's a constant learning. I you know what well, one thing I've learned, thankfully. Mm-hmm with this podcast as well is in, in addition to like, um, some other self work is this, if, if I can see it as long as I can see it, I should say as an ongoing learning, mm-hmm. because there, you know, there is no perfection. You'll never have this figured out a hundred percent. I'll never have mm-hmm. this figured out a hundred percent. There is no such thing as the perfect balance. It's all progression. It's all learning. It's all getting better day by day. And if you can tap in and tune into that frequency, literally, then it all, you know, it gets a little easier. You breathe a little easier. The shoulders drop. um, And now both of yours drop Um, (laughs) a little bit easier and more relaxed, (laughs) but it's tough, but it's still tough because in that moment, you got to face it. You got to acknowledge it. You got to go through it. You got to go through the emotions and, and you got to deal with now the, the mind and, and emotional connection and, and, and mm-hmm. grappling with that. And it's, it's just so interesting. And I, again, I do love, you know, it's something you said at the top of this with like that old masculine construct where back to Chris Rock, my second point, as I think I remember this and at the end of it, he's like, as a dad, all I want is the big piece of chicken. It's yeah. like at the end of the day, your acknowledgement comes down to the big piece of chicken and that's supposed to be good enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you go on and you, and you figure out your self-worth, self-worth and you come back home. And as long as you got that big piece of chicken on the plate, all is well in life. And it's like, yeah, nah, like it was, again, it was funny then, but looking back on it now and those old constructs, it's like, Nah, bro. There's a lot more to it, and and I'm glad we're able to discuss it more in depthly like this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Last time we talked, we talked about some daily routines, and you started changing mm-hmm. up your approach, like physically, which I loved. You started talking about um, kind of physically more restorative things, yoga, and more stretching, mm-hmm. and um, you know some other routines that that started coming in. As of right now, you know, with these past challenging years and in therapy now and coming out of the surgery and doing your own physical therapy, are there any rituals or routines that you are just layering in daily where either these are like non-negotiable and these are the things where I'm going to kick off my day, keep my day cool, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, I, I try to I try to schedule as much of my day, uh, whether that be phone calls or or just business stuff between ten and two. I will try my hardest not to schedule anything after four at the latest. Uh, my kids get out at three. Sometimes if I can if I can pack my day um, or my obligations between ten and two two thirty, uh, that's a win for me um, on a physical side. I've been, I've sort of converted my garage. I, I had all this like workout stuff that's just kind of been like sporadic around the house. But over the pandemic, me and my wife said, okay, let's take one corner and turn it into your office. Let's take another corner, turn it into like a little makeshift gym. And it just allowed me, you know, I wake up anywhere from five to five thirty, 
It's a mixture of either I go to a yoga spot around the corner from my house or I go downstairs and, and do a workout, whether that's Peloton or, or some type of free weight workout. So yeah, it's just like movement. I, I realize that I literally get depressed if like my body isn't in movement for more than like two days. Yeah. You couple in like, put like bread and Italian food and pasta into that. If I haven't worked out like two or three <laughs> days and I've had pasta, like, I'm just like the yeah. worst person in the world. So I just, I, I realized that for me to be the best, the best version of myself mentally, I need to work out at least three times a week. And it's not really to chase a, a perfect body or something like that. It's just, I just know like more neurons are firing. The, my dopamine yeah. is flowing better. Everything yeah. is just better when one, I'm working out and two, when I leave the house, like I'm in, I'm in my, yeah. my home office right now and my home office is, is adequate for me to write for hours, you know, do everything I need to do here. But I'll get into those stretches where I find myself not leaving the house for two or three days outside of picking up my kids from school or whatnot, or going to the grocery sure, store sure. or whatever. But like, you know, some days I force myself to get up and go like maybe work at a coffee shop or go to a friend's house and just like hang out there and just be away from the home because again, I'm just a better person when I'm in the world and can and are able to come back into it instead of just being here, you know, facilitating everything I need to facilitate. So yeah, working out, uh, I'd say three to four times a day, getting away, getting outside the home, um, meditating. I've applied that. I'm, yeah. I'm not as consistent as I want to be with that. Definitely a few times a week, but I want to, I want to get to a point with meditation where I'm not doing it to, to reset myself or to fix something, I'm doing it because it just overall makes me feel better. Uh, yeah, I don't want to like have something attached to it, you know. Yeah, but yeah, those are the things that that I've been incorporating within the within coming out the pandemic. Because again, I know we talked about this earlier, but the the pandemic is kind of forced us to be without any structure involved into it, uh, or yeah, it's it's just forced us to be more accessible um, and more productive with our jobs and our careers that we have nothing in place to fix the mental and even sometimes to fix the physical of it. Like when we went into the pandemic, everything was focused on, okay, how can we change, how can we change your work environment to be efficient at home? And we didn't talk anything about how can we change your home to fit your mental? How can we change your home to fit your physical? And you really Mm -hmm. had to like, have those conversations on your own or with close friends that were on the, that were in that same boat to be able to do it. But a lot of times it was just how can we make your work more efficient now that you're not going into the office. But right. now I'm just really taking the next few months to to try to understand what COVID has done to me mentally and hopefully come out of this a little bit better than when I went in. Yeah. Yeah. And we should all do that. Um, it's something, something I'm, I'm definitely doing. That that's probably one of the only things I do reflect on in in the past is is just trying to learn from that since it did take such a big. I mean, it took such a big chunk of all of our lives, yeah. and it, it's still there for most of us. There's still these remnants where, again, if you don't address it, it doesn't get addressed, and if it doesn't get addressed, and yeah. it's something that can accumulate over time, and then hopefully, you know, not blow up in your face adversely or physically or mentally or, or God knows how else, but yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think in, in, in those regards, I think that's where that self-reflection, especially now is truly, truly important. Um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, again, um, I don't want to overstep with your time. I appreciate you for always being gracious with your time, for always making time with these type of conversations because they are important. I do hope, you know, they're helping other folks that are listening. It always helps me just getting on the mic with with someone like yourself and yourself. Like I said, there there are just these parallels. I I really want to catch up with you offline because I I just feel like there are some interesting things there uh, to dig into a lot more. And we'll bring it on a third episode. So again, thank you for going man to man with me today, Spencer. I appreciate you. Is there anything you want to tell the people, let the people know about before we officially drop? Um, I mean, in general, thank you for having me. I know uh, every time we talk, it's it's always so introspective and we, we go places we didn't even think we would end up at, but I, I love being a friend <laughs> of the Black Left community. Yeah. Um, I love our conversation. Obviously, I'm friends with you know other members on the team, but it's just always good knowing that this platform is here for me to talk. Um, and if anybody gets some type of wisdom or courage or something from it, I think it's it's done its job. So I'm down for round three. And you guys just let me know when, when and where. Dope. I appreciate you, Spencer. <laughs> and you can follow Spencer on the gram, on Twitter at P-Y-S-N-G-R. Yes. So Pacinger minus all the fluff. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. And in, the, <laughs> and in the meantime, make sure to tell another brother, king or queen about man to man so we can keep these convos going and keep building each other up. And if there's someone you want me to speak to on this here man to man, connect with me on Instagram at Waziki, W-A-S-I-C-K-I. Let me know what's up. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Let Spencer know what you thought of this episode. Hit him up on the gram. Hit him up on Twitter. Let him know you appreciate him being open and vulnerable as we try to do each and every week with all of you. And till next week, fam, peace, love, and remember your worth.